This is our number two here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. My name is John Ziegler, and this is the program, one of the very last, where we vow to treat Donald Trump exactly like we treat Barack Obama. He'll be president of the United States, and when he's right, we'll praise him, and when he's wrong, we will criticize him. That's going to be very, very rare in talk radio. A lot of talk radio hosts are going to be in very, very strange positions for probably most, if not all, of the next four years because they're going to have to defend a lot of things that they don't really believe in, or at least supposedly they don't believe in. They haven't believed in for the last 20 years or so. Of course, when the case of Sean Hannity, that might not be a problem. But with some, that could be a concern. See, not here, because I'm not smart enough to keep all that straight. I believe the same things I've always believed. I'm in favor of the same things I've always been in favor of, against the same things I've always been against. Not that I'm not open-minded. I've changed my mind on some things. But as far as core principles, they don't go anywhere. And just because Donald Trump has an R next to his name means nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. And it's not just because I've warned you. I'll acknowledge I'm more open to that point of view on Trump because I have warned you for over a year that he's not who he appears to be or not who he pretends to be. I believe he's a liberal con man. I'm very capable of changing to anything I want to change to. And what really concerns me, there there are two basic concepts of of what we've seen so far with regard to Donald Trump that bother me the most. And there are a lot of little things that, that are concerning We'll get to Taiwan and the tweets and all that kind of stuff. But the two basic things that really concern me about Trump are what it means for conservatism or what's left of conservatism and what it means for our democratic republic. Because I think we are fairly quickly in evolutionary terms We are evolving, and he's speeding up this evolution into some sort of bizarre form of monarchy, or to use the English language, monarchy. I mean, you could argue right now, you make a really good argument, that Mike Pence is basically our prime minister, and that Donald Trump is our king. There are a lot of things that are consistent with that theory. Now, I'm going to wait until they actually get into office before I go too deeply into that. But but that's the way it's looking right now. That Trump wants to play king and Mike Pence wants to be prime minister. Well, that's interesting, but that's not our system. At least it's not been our system. It's not supposed to be our system. But let me deal with conservatism first in this hour. Because there were a couple of things that happened this week which should have been deeply concerning to conservatives If they hadn't already given up all their balls over to Trump, they've handed them all over because power means everything. And every commentator wants to be popular. Every talk show host wants ratings. And the way to do that is to kiss Trump butt. That's the way it works because that's where Republicans are. Republicans are thrilled that the Hillary beast was defeated and Donald Trump is president. There are a few out there who have their eyes open wide enough to go, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. W- weren't, weren't we supposed to be in favor of free enterprise, free markets? W- what's this business about 
Trump supposedly saving a thousand jobs in Indiana because of carrier air conditioning, deciding not to take some of those jobs to Mexico because of a deal that was made with the Indiana governor, Mike Pence, who happens to be Trump's VP and Trump himself, even though Trump in the past has ripped carrier to shreds. Well, what's that all about? That sounds suspiciously like crony capitalism. That sounds suspiciously like picking winners and losers. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm I'm old enough to remember that that a few years ago when Barack Obama did that with like Solyndra and a couple of other situations that that was bad policy. I know this because other conservatives told me so. That this sets a dangerous precedent. That wait a minute. Now you're saying that companies aren't allowed to move out of the United States? They're not allowed. Or they're going to face consequences like like you mean the consequences the carrier endured? Carrier endured consequences by apparently getting rather hefty tax breaks and who knows what else. Not to mention their parent company keeping on to government contracts. So the idea that Carrier suffered any consequences here is... It's just flat out ridiculous. And the idea that this was a huge number of jobs that warranted this kind of action is also... It's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, we're not talking about 20,000 jobs or some really large number... I realize that to the people who were impacted, a thousand jobs is a thousand jobs. It's important. And every job matters. But Trumpsters are not very good at math, among other things. A thousand jobs within a country of 300 million people is not even a drop in the bucket. But Trump looked at this from a PR standpoint. Brilliant PR. He's the jobs guy. It's Indiana. Indiana's the Rust Belt, sort of. And they voted for Trump in a big way, so he's going to keep his promise. Why? Well, because there was a viral video of those people being told many months ago that they were going to lose their jobs. And so it got enough attention to where it's on Trump's radar and it's big enough story to where the news media will remember it and go, oh, yeah, and Trump can take credit for keeping some of those jobs in America. Again, short term, that's that's wonderful. And I'm not an expert enough to know whether it was a good deal or a bad deal. My suspicions are it was not a great deal because Trump is a terrible negotiator on these types of things because, among other things, he wants the good PR too badly. He's thirsting for it. And the other side knows it. They got him over a barrel. So the reality is that's not conservatism. That's not free markets. It's not free enterprise. And by the way, you know who said this? Shock of all shocks. My old ex-girlfriend, Sarah Palin. Yeah, Sarah Palin, who apparently has decided that she's not going to work for the Trump administration because she actually went out and on a Facebook post, or actually it was, a, I guess, a column for a website, in no uncertain terms, blasted the carrier deal, not because she wasn't happy about the jobs being saved in Indiana, but because she felt as if 
this was bad policy, set a bad precedent. And by the way, speaking of precedent, I mean, folks, Trump laughably claims he's going to punish companies who try to outsource jobs or take jobs into another country now, which is not even close to what happened to Carrier. The opposite occurred. But has he not set the precedent that any company, at least as long as they can create a viral video of them firing their workers, can find themselves in exactly the same catbird catbird seat? Obviously, yes. Any company now knows exactly how to manipulate Donald Trump. Get a little media coverage. Have a sob story. Make it look bad. You're going to Mexico. You know, Mexico is especially a good place to go because for obvious reasons. And there's a very good chance you're going to get a sweetheart deal out of the whole thing. Well, that's the way Democrats do it. That's the way liberals do it. Because in the long run, that's bad policy. It doesn't work in the long run. It gets you a nice headline, but it won't work. But this isn't an isolated situation with regard to Trump. This is who Trump is. Barack Obama warned us. He basically said, hey, look, don't really worry about Trump. He's not ideological. He's pragmatic. What does that mean? He's a liberal. We can manipulate this guy. We can mold him if we do this right. Trump is not who he said he was in the campaign, not even close. I'm very capable of changing to anything I want to change to. And there is more evidence of that this week, which we'll get to when we return on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. My name is John Ziegler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's where you can check out not only all of our podcasts, but also all of the columns that I write for Mediate, which is a media criticism website. I write about three or four columns a week. I wrote four interesting ones. I'm, at least I believe they were interesting this week, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com. One of them deals with the hypocrisy of Donald Trump and his supporters on this issue of, for instance, the saving of the thousand jobs from carrier air conditioning in Indiana from going to Mexico. But combining that with Breitbart.com engaging in this really stupid boycott of Kellogg's because Kellogg stopped buying advertising on Breitbart.com. I don't want to get into all the details on the air Uh, That's why I wrote the column. But if you're interested in that story, uh, there are a lot of correlations because Breitbart.com is acting in a very liberal fashion. That's a liberal mentality to boycott Kellogg's because they won't buy advertising on your news site. You're supposed to be a news organization, news and opinion. It's not the way it's supposed to work. Kellogg's has the right to advertise or not advertise based upon whether they think it's the right branding for their for their products. They decided you went too far up Donald Trump's backside. So therefore it was no longer 
in their interest to advertise. That's the way the game works. Now, you're in within your rights to boycott, but <laughs> it's a really bad decision. One, because it's not in keeping with what a journalistic organization is supposed to do. And two, you're telling all your other advertisers, guess what? If you advertise on Breitbart.com, it's going to end very badly because we'll go after you if it doesn't work out well. But that's just, you know, example 101 of why my good old ex-friend, now deceased Andrew Breitbart, who founded Breitbart.com, is rolling over in his grave over the last year and a half as to what's happened to that website. And now that they've become the propaganda arm, basically Pravda for Donald Trump. Now, uh, another column that I wrote, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, deals with an issue that I probably feel even more strongly about regarding what Trump did this week than I do him basically undermining the concept of a free market and free enterprise system with the, the isolated saving of the jobs in Indiana. I'm referring to his comments first on Twitter and then at his please thank me for winning rally in Ohio regarding the issue of the burning of the American flag. And I can't tell you how many people on Twitter and Facebook originally told me, oh, John, you're overreacting. Don't worry. Because Trump just out of the blue one morning this week decided to tweet. Just the, the fact that he's doing this is just so insane. It's just so nuts. But this is the world we're now living in. He just decided to tweet at 6.50-something in the morning on the East Coast that flag burning should be illegal, that perpetrators should be fined, jailed, and maybe lose their citizenship. Lose their citizenship. I had so many people tell me, oh, oh, John, he's just, you know, he's just tweeting. Which, by the way, that alone is a scary concept. That your supporters think, well, don't worry. Don't worry about what the president-elect actually writes and disseminates to the whole world. Don't you worry about that. He's just joking around. It's not for real. Think about how scary that is. This is from his supporters. Ah, don't take him seriously. But then, in front of thousands of people in Ohio, he reiterated it. Restated it with great passion. And maybe the most bizarre and troubling element of this whole thing is why was he tweeting about flag burning being illegal? Because clearly it's not in this country. The Supreme Court has held that it's not, including supposedly his favorite Supreme Court justice, Antonin Scalia, very famously said it's protected free speech. Why was he tweeting? At 6.50-something in the morning? Well, because about 20 minutes earlier, he was watching Fox News Channel. And Fox News Channel did a story about flag burning. That's where we are. Like a king eating his breakfast, upset about something he sees on television, and he tweets a decree. An unconstitutional one. More when we return on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. My name is John Ziegler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's where you can check out all of the columns that I write for Mediate, several of which I'm discussing tonight for good reason. And the one that I, I really felt the, sh- the most strongly about was the one dealing with Donald Trump's declaration against the burning of the American flag. And when the president-elect tweets, especially now that he's president-elect and he's not out in public nearly as much, it really does have the feel of a king making a proclamation, doesn't it? You can almost hear the trumpets followed by hear he, hear he, King Donald, dost thou proclaim a royal declaration as follows. And then it's some brain fart that he tweets out like he did with regard to the idea that flag burning should be illegal, perpetrators should be fined, jailed, and have their citizenship revoked. The only difference, at least at this point, is that those declarations, proclamations via tweet, do not have the power of law. He's not technically president yet. Hopefully they won't suddenly get the power of law once he is inaugurated. But that seems to be where we're headed. But more importantly than that, in the short run, we have a Republican president-elect who got elected. Let's not forget this. And I, I go into great detail in my column about this. Let's not forget, he got elected on the votes of conservatives who decided to trust him. Believe me. Because he kept saying he wanted to replace Antonin Scalia on the Supreme Court with another Antonin Scalia. Scalia was his favorite justice. And he gave us a list of 2021 that were supposed to be just like Scalia. Okay. I never believed that. A lot of people did. I understand it. No one wants to replace Scalia with another constitutional conservative more than I do. But you have to remember that Scalia, even though he was a patriot who hated and abhorred flag burning, he rather famously held on the Supreme Court that flag burning is, in fact, protected free speech. And I agree with that. As a libertarian... I agree with Scalia on that 100%. It's abhorrent, but guess what? Once you restrict that speech, which is clearly governmental speech, I mean, if you're burning the symbol of our government, of our country, that is obviously, in my view, that is an act of speech that is protected as the First Amendment intended it to be. I think there's already too many restrictions on free speech. I'm in the sticks and stones may make my, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me club. I don't know whatever happened to that. Apparently we stopped teaching that based upon this current generation of special snowflakes that are in college these days. But I digress. The reality is that anybody who has any sense of the Constitution who is remotely a constitutionalist, a conservative, who respects Scalia, 
who has a libertarian bone in their body, who cares at all about free speech, knows this and believes this. And so Trump tweeted this out. And what was the response from Trump fans? There basically were two camps. He's just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, that guy. Oh, <laughs> don't get him worked up in the morning. Don't get him watching Fox News Channel 650. He's liable to tweet something in, in reaction to whatever he saw on the boob tube. Because that's apparently what provoked this. That was one camp. The other camp was even more. It was just flat out ridiculous. Was the idea that it, this is okay. This, follow me here because I couldn't follow this. This was okay. One, because it's not law. But two, because Hillary Clinton 10 years ago had proposed something in Congress that was somewhat similar, but not really. Her bill didn't go nearly as far as the proposal that Trump made on Twitter. So let me get this straight. So not only does Trump benefit enormously from the fact that the alternative was Hillary and therefore he can do almost anything he wants and his fans will never abandon him because, but Hillary! Not only that, but now he gets to go further or at least propose something further than what Hillary even proposed. And it's still okay because Hillary did something similar. What? Huh? What? How does that in any way, shape, or form get you off the hook? Because Hillary also, at one point, proposed a really bad idea that was against the Constitution? No, she never claimed to be a constitutional conservative. She never got elected promising to replace Antonin Scalia with a constitutional conservative on the U.S. Supreme Court? Trump did! And this is all going to my skepticism about whether or not Trump is really going to hold to this promise that he made to conservatives. To me, this is going to dictate an enormous amount of at least the first year or two of his presidency. Does he actually get someone that conservatives can be confident is as close to a Scalia as we can find in this day and age approved to the U.S. Supreme Court. If he does that, you know what? I'm going to be in the camp of people that is going to be willing to look the other way on a lot of stuff. I'm not going to be quiet about it. I'm sure I'll still complain about it. But if he gives us that, then at least we know in some ways we will always be better off in the short run because he won than if Hillary had won. I will always give him that if he adheres to the promise. But there are a lot of reasons to be skeptical of that promise. One is Trump himself. I'm very capable of changing to anything I want to change to. Believe me. He's not trustworthy. That's number one. He's not a conservative and he's not trustworthy. This flag-burning thing shows... Once again, he's not anything close to a constitutional conservative. He believes in eminent domain. He believes in making it easier to sue media companies for libel. He doesn't believe in the First Amendment with regard to speech or with regard to flag burning. He doesn't believe in the Second Amendment. How the NRA put up with him with, with a couple of different proposals he had, which I believe create a slippery slope to eroding away the Second Amendment, no matter what he tells you. 
is an absolute mystery to me. But he, he doesn't even understand the Constitution. He thinks there's 12 articles in the Constitution. He's probably never read it. Now, why does that matter? Well, there's a chance that he won't really be in control of that. I mean, he's just going to pick from the list, right? And if he picks from the list and everyone seems to think the list is pretty good, he's going to get whoever he picks appointed, right? Approved by the Senate, right? Well, no, not necessarily. Because there's still this thing called the filibuster. And the Democrats have a heck of a hand to filibuster. They got a pissed off base who's looking for retribution. They have the Republicans having already set the precedent for the last nine months or so with no replacement for Scalia that one, the, the Supreme Court can exist with only eight members. And two, the president doesn't necessarily get to nominate somebody or doesn't get to get whoever they nominate approved. I mean, heck, Obama's guy, Garland, didn't even get a hearing, didn't even come close to getting a hearing. So so now the Democrats have the moral high ground. The media will be very friendly to their side, as always. They're going to be looking for a fight that they could potentially win, so they're going to dig their heels in, unless they're complete idiots, which might be. They've been pretty dumb this, this whole cycle. But... That's pretty dumb even for Democrats. Assuming they don't completely blow their hand, I think what we're going to find here is a situation where Trump is going to have to fight, and Trump's going to have to fight hard for something he doesn't believe in. Now, based upon what we already know about Donald Trump, what are the chances of that happening? Well, I mean, I would hope Mike Pence would be in there cheering. I guess Prince Rebus or Prince Previs, Prince Rebus. That <laughs> um, goes with the Trump monarchy. <laughs> Rince is now a prince. But the reality is, there's very few people in that inner circle. Ivanka's not going to be fighting. I can guarantee you that. And Ivanka's husband, who's going to be a key player, another Democrat, he's not going to be fighting for a constitutional conservative to replace Scalia. So as soon as there's a fight. Trump's going to have people very, very close to him saying, hey, hey, uh, dad or Donald, let's cut our losses on this, declare victory like you always do and move on to something more important to make making America great again. Because that's what Trump's going to do. So he will bail. He'll go off the list. Democrats will smell blood. And the only way they'll approve somebody is if at best he's like Garland some sort of liberal moderate. Now, I can't predict exactly what kind of candidate. In fact, no one can predict what kind of candidate will actually uh, become a member of the Supreme Court because, heck, numerous times in recent history, we've thought we've had conservatives that turned out not to be, which has always been part of why I thought it was ridiculous that conservatives had so much faith in Donald Trump, of all people. We couldn't trust the Bushes. On this issue, it's very difficult to find a conservative who's actually going to act as a conservative once they get on the court and get them approved in this modern era, especially with the abortion issue as it is. And so how the hell was Donald Trump going to do that? But I think this flag burning thing shows once again, as does him caving on the $25 million Trump University fraud case, 
that when you combine the Trump University fraud case where he immediately folds, declares victory, and moves on as his M.O., and this flag burning where he doesn't really respect Scalia at all, he doesn't know anything about constitutional conservatism, doesn't care about it, doesn't believe in it, he's not going to fight to the death on this. And the Democrats know this. He's not going to do it. And at that point, that will be, for me, when we know for sure that we were conned. We've already been conned in little ways. I mean, you were, you know, if you didn't realize you're being conned, then you pretty much deserve to get what you're going to get. I love the poorly educated. I mean, that's, you know, you're not going to get a wall. No one, no one with half a brain thought they were going to get a wall, even though Trump is still claiming there's going to be a big, beautiful wall on the southern border. But give me Scalia's replacement as a constitutional conservative. I wish I believed that. If I did believe that, my entire tenor and tone during this whole campaign would have been different. And frankly, so far from what we've seen, there's been nothing at all that has changed my mind about there being very, very, very good reason to be highly skeptical of Donald Trump on this issue. I hope I'm wrong. But so far, it's really hard to make that argument. All right, more when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. My name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Speaking of Donald Trump's never-ending tweets, and look, I I tweet a lot. I'm not president-elect. In my opinion, Trump should not be tweeting nearly as much as he is, and specifically should not be tweeting on the subject matter that he is. So much of it is so far beneath the office to which he has just been elected. I mean, just tonight... He tweeted a promotion for a rerun on Fox News Channel while praising the host of the interview that was being rerun with Donald Trump, Harvey Levin from TMZ. Harvey Levin is a dirtbag. And and now he's in bed with the two biggest tabloid entities that there are, Harvey Levin and the National Enquirer. Not only in bed, but promoting them to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people via his official Twitter feed. He's basically doing commercials now, and not even high-class commercials. And last night he tweeted that he was upset because he was watching Saturday Night Live and Alec Baldwin's impression of him and he didn't think it was funny and he didn't think it was fair. (laughs) He didn't think it was fair. Newsflash, Donald. It's a comedy show. It's not even supposed to be fair. In fact, if it was fair, it would be incredibly boring. I didn't happen to think that the skit to which he was referring was all that funny. Ironically, this is the through the Luke looking glass situation we're in. Saturday Night Live, with Alec Baldwin playing Donald Trump, does a skit 
on Trump's inappropriate tweets. That's what the skit was about. It was about him tweeting, actually retweeting, a 16-year-old kid, which he did this week. And, you know, the premise was okay, but the execution I didn't think was all that funny. Anyway, Trump didn't like it because, of course, it wasn't pro-Trump. And anything that's not pro-Trump, Trump doesn't like because he's incredibly insecure. And he has no sense of humor about himself. And so Trump tweets out this completely inappropriate way. I mean, talk about punching below your weight. You're president-elect, and you're taking on a comedy show, Saturday Night Live, in a completely inappropriate way. Now, I have no love for Alec Baldwin at all, but one of the more bizarre aspects of the entire Trump phenomenon is that people for whom I have had a lot of disdain in the past, all of a sudden I find I have new respect for, and they seem to be the sensible ones in all this. So what does Alec Baldwin do? Alec Baldwin tweets back at Trump that if Trump releases his tax returns, he will end his impression of Donald Trump. Now, last I checked, I think it that had gotten like 25,000 retweets and 50,000 likes, something crazy. I'm sure it's much higher than that now. That's pretty good. That That's telling Donald almost literally to put his money where his mouth is. And of all the crazy things that happened and did not happen in this election, to me, I will never, I will never get past the complete impotence of the news media and the Hillary campaign to force Donald Trump into releasing his taxes. And you know who's to blame for that is the right-wing media. If Fox News Channel had a shred of integrity and en masse had continued a chorus of, Donald, you have to release your tax returns, everyone else has done it, and you of all people because of your background, because you've never held office, because you've never been in the military, because your entire campaign is based upon your business career, you of all people have to release your taxes, especially when we have evidence that you've not paid federal income tax in the last couple of decades. Had Fox News Channel done that, had Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity, not that they have any integrity left, or Drudge or Breitbart, if any of those entities had given this issue, the credibility it deserved and had not been complete hypocrites, then, I mean, because, my God, can you imagine if any of those entities had had the opportunity to react to Hillary if she had not released her tax returns? I mean, come on, folks. The hypocrisy in all this is just so staggering. It's so obvious, and it's so nauseating. I used to think we were better than this. But if any of those outlets had had a shred of dignity and credibility, then Trump would, I think, probably have been forced to release his taxes. But the fact that that never happened is just stupefying to me. And it's not going to happen now, but it just shows what a fraud Trump is because he could really show it to Alec Baldwin. He could shut Alec Baldwin up literally, shut him down, end this Saturday Night Live impression of him that he doesn't like all by simply releasing his taxes after he's already won. See, that's the brilliance of it. 
It's not even a situation where we can stop him from becoming president. But Trump won't do it. Now, he's made up some lie about he can't do it because he's under audit, which is a that's a total lie, complete lie. And by the way, he previously said that he would do it, saying nothing about audit. But he won't do it here either. Why? Even though he can make Alec Baldwin look like a jackass and shut him up? Because he's got something to hide. And that's what Donald Trump's all about. Hour number three, coming up next in Free Speech Broadcasting Network.